people can accept where they are. They just can't accept that there's no hope. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Get off the phone, Brad. Welcome back to the Edu Gaspar Magical Mystery Tour Podcast. <laughs> I like to look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very, very good friend. We back, baby. We, we back. back. We back, baby. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've got to mention um, before the podcast, Brad, uh, I've got to stop at one point because a, a bed frame is arriving. Yes. Yes. We, that's uh, fine. we, no we broke our, is it? Thank you. Um, we broke our bed frame. Not like that. Not in that way. No. <clears throat> no. Don't look at me like that. It was genuinely, I chucked a suitcase on it and it broke. Feeble. <laughs> feeble thing <laughs> weak spineless lazy flaky we're back it's arsenal uh, you're the biggest hello. fool in manchester good night <laughs> he's the biggest fool oh uh we're back welcome back to the we different are. knock podcast thank you for tuning in uh hope you enjoyed your international break i certainly yeah. didn't i'm very excited for football to start back again i just didn't watch any of it yeah yeah it's- when, when it's not an international tournament and there's and there's nothing to play for. It's just fucking, especially when the football is just fucking turgid. Wow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it is, it is not exciting, attacking, blissful play where I'm like, oh my God, this, this is really entertaining. And it's a bit, I'm just a bit, yeah. I'm like, what? Do you know I'm, what? I'm just Germany not going to invest. Germany, Germany are good. Yeah. I did watch them against, who are they playing? Lithuania or something. I mean, it's Hansi um, Flick, mate. He's, he's good. They are good. Yes, listen, welcome back to the Different Not Podcast. I've now said that mm. four times, three times. Uh, we welcome. are very excited to be back. Arsenal are mm. back in action tomorrow at 3pm against Norwich. Where, what have we missed, Brad, while we were away? We've missed... No, um, not a lot. Not a lot. We have missed a bit, though. We missed... I'll tell you what, I went to go see the uh, the women. Just the you women. You did. You did. That's it. I went to go I'm see very, the women. Very jealous. Uh, play Chelsea. Arsenal women uh, beat Chelsea 3-2. It was a... Fucking banging game. Mate, Viv Miedemar is so oh. good. So Get in the men's good. team. <laughs> Classic. There's like a there's like a number of phrases that I feel like every Arsenal, as an Arsenal men's fan, applies to the women's team. When they win, it's like, oh, could you do something in a men's team? Or like- she scored she scored a hundred goals in hundred and ten games, and none of them have been penalties. She's unreal, mate, honestly. And and again, I'm going to do the, the cliche of, of applying it to the men's team. I mean, ultimately, we're, we're fans of the men's team. Um, but the, uh, yeah, like having someone in that front line, she was terrifying, those Chelsea defenders. Absolutely yeah. terrifying. And she's only 5'10 or something, but she, she physically, she's so imposing. She, uh, Beth Mead as well, making runs down that right-hand side. It was a fantastic game. If you get the opportunity, go and support the women's team. It was a banging opportunity Uh like so cheap as well. It was so good. Great game. I'm I, gonna I, I be, won't go into it too much because it was ages ago. But yeah, it was a really. No, good game. I'll be another one of the cliches and say. So I obviously now live like 15 minutes from the ground, and I yeah, said you this to you when it. I'm when I met up with you uh, before the game. It was phenomenal to see the amount of young women, young like girls, dressed up 
in their kits, so excited yeah. to go watch, you know, Loving one of the it. first premier games of football being shown on Sky Sports. I think Arsenal need to do a bit better, though, in, in, the, in the infrastructure of it. The queues were mental. The clock yeah. end just wasn't open. Well, I think they, were, they weren't expecting that many people, mate. I think it's, it's great. And yeah, um, I, I think that's the one thing that you could say about it. But it, it was phenomenal to kind of walk up the high street and just see all of these like super enthused football fans. Yeah, it was banging. Uh, it was really yeah. good. It was really cool. Uh, we also beat Brentford. The men's team beat Brentford. Uh, was it 4-0 behind closed doors? Well, it, it, yeah. <laughs> Cedric in a brace. If, yeah. It, it feels like, like a FIFA it read like, like a simulation, you know, yeah. It feels like you know, you know, those people on my fucking Twitter that when they lost to a team would go on FIFA and batter them like ninety four nil on kickoff mode or something. Uh, it felt a bit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also had the Jacker vaccination thing. I'm not um, gonna sit here and lecture people on vaccinations because I barely know anything about it myself. But what I will say is, I do think this conversation is going to drag and drag and drag and drag, and I think there'll be a lot of COVID disruption this season. Which I'm I just, just think in a, I, I don't know I just think in a luxury field the players like should be very like do you know what I mean like I just feel like at the end of the day they're in the the most luxurious of jobs and they're not willing to protect it with a teeny little. Those are the views of Bradley Adams and not the views of the different podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, one thing I didn't like about that, though, was him cozying up to Mourinho because I oh, fucking yeah. hate Mourinho. Ajaka uh, can fuck off. Sell him in January, mate. Put Patino in. Genu- get Wilshire on a one-year deal. Fuck him off. I'm done. That, that, that was the final straw for me. Him fucking cozying up to Jose in the Insta comments. Piss off. <laughs> I hate him. I hate Mourinho so much. And surely Xhaka knows this. As in, like, most Arsenal fans have a very strong dislike for Mourinho. Uh, yeah. It, although I do I do seem to remember when uh, when Unai got sacked, I think I did say I'd take Mourinho, so I can't. <laughs> Listen, it, it was bad times, man. It was bad times. <laughs> um, yes. Also, and I mean, more sort of more something I want to linger on, really, is the Edu interview. So Edu gave, I'm mm. sure you've seen this, I don't need to give too much context. About 12 uh, different About 14 different interviews. The same uh, sentence 64 times in yeah. the interview. Um, about the youth, the young squad. Yeah, you've all seen that. You've all seen the interviews. You've all seen the comments. Uh, you've all seen what he said. I'm sure. And if you haven't, uh, where have you been living? Uh, yeah, I, I, I do want to discuss it. Firstly, in a sort of formula way, a sort of a slightly uh, more maybe a different lens on it. In terms of when it was done and how it was done, um, I'm not seeing this discussed much. I thought the is it Jeff Shreves who did the Sky Sports interview. Yes, I thought I it, was it was a bit confrontational from Jeff Shreve. I enjoyed that, uh, that though. No, 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 Good. and I and I enjoyed that as well. But as a choice from Edu to do that and being put in a situation where, like, he could have had his absolute pants pulled down. I did think it was quite a. And listen, there's two ways of looking at this, right? There's that was really brave, and you know he stands up for what he believes in. Or was it a bit of a strange decision to let Sky do that interview when you, you and he just could have done the Arsenal.com one, but then would that have got as much traction? Don't know. So it's it's I don't know. I just found it a bit. I of think a... he did have his pants down a little bit by by Jeff. He was asked some serious questions that he dodged answers a lot in that interview. I felt, you know, and I think there's one thing that I can say about this regime that I fucking hate, and that is the lack of setting targets. Even really achievable targets, like minimum this year for me as a fan is sixth, right? 
let alone minimum for the club. Like if you're if you're saying in an interview that you don't want to set a target like top 10 or top eight, get the fuck out of the club genuinely because you're in the wrong business and you are in the wrong club to be doing this. And it, there were a few times with a few questions where he kept skirting the real question and going back to this idea of, oh yeah, we've signed youth players, we've given contract extensions and kind of giving us the the company line that we already know rather than kind of asking and answering the actual question for me anyway. And there were a few points where I I felt in the kind of timbre of his voice and his body language. I was like, this man is, is stressed. You can hear his voice wobble a fair amount. And he's like, "Uh," like there's a, there's a lot of tension. This is why I found it strange that the way it was done um, also set out and not in a long form interview it was set out in clips and that might, might not have been Arsenal's decision for that to happen the way it came out was Sky doing short clips uh, mm. on Twitter but also on the website they set it up you know it was sort of the interview was dispersed it wasn't one long form thing I think that's interesting because it you know listen Sky have a, a kind of a, an agenda to create sound bites to create clicks and stuff and I get that but I think putting it in the hands of a company who Listen, we've all we've we've looked at the media around Arsenal over this period. We've all seen all of the you know the I saw that like a squawker thing today of a podcast of a guy just chatting absolute waffle about Arsenal. We've all seen the the kind of shots fired. We've all been on Twitter, TikTok, on you know. I'm sure we've all got mates saying, "Oh fucking hell, what's going on at Arsenal?" And I think this is something we've talked about before on this podcast in terms of the control of the narrative. I don't know whether going to Sky with that. And sitting in a room where he looked quite, sh- I agree with you, he looked quite shaky, looked quite sort of, he couldn't quite control what was going on, was, as I say, either brave or stupid. And I think it I'm wasn't brave, leaning, it was stupid. I think I'm leaning slightly towards the stupid. Do a sense. What, what would have been brave, sorry, what would have been brave is answering the questions and saying, look, yeah. we know we've not had a great start. We have had a few players out, but we know it's one thing that, again, is I'll get back to the original point has pissed me off about this whole, whole process. And so far this season is people saying the season starts from Saturday. You know, we had so many players out. We had three players out that shouldn't turn us into Norwich. Um, It just shouldn't, we shouldn't go. (laughs) And it has, we shouldn't go from talking, oh yeah, we could be sixth in the league or whatever to then literally be rock bottom when it, and even I, I didn't expect to beat Chelsea. I didn't expect to beat City, but there is a manner and a way that you do things, right? Neither of those was acceptable. We performed like 20th place and surprise, surprise, we are 20th place. Um, And I, I am getting bored of that kind of just around the, the club in general. What would have been brave from Edu and from the club is to come out in that Jeff Shreve's interview and say, look, we know the manner of it was unacceptable. We know that things aren't going well at the moment. But we have clear targets. We want to finish in the top six this season. Because if you say that, every fan will go, good, we have a clear target. If we miss it, we miss it. But this wishy-washy bollocks of going, oh, I don't want to see, I don't want to say we want top six or top eight or even top 10. I just want to see more Smith Rowe. I just want to see more Tierney. I just want to see Ben White. So does every Arsenal fan, but they aren't running the club. So I don't. What this gives to me is a lack of future vision and ambition. Because if you were ambitious, like a lot of lot of clubs are, they come out and they go, "No, it isn't acceptable that we haven't won the league this season." Like City, City come out in interviews and say, 
at the start of the season, we are aiming to win every single competition that we're in. Mm. Obviously, you have to scale that back for the level that we are right now. But I don't think, I think every Arsenal fan would be actually happy and would see this vision going somewhere if they went, look, we've got a young squad, we've invested in the youth, we're going to aim to finish in the top six this season so we can get back into Europe. That would give us more financial power and freedom to then build on the squad moving forward. And we're going to aim to do something in cup competitions this year. I think every Arsenal fan would get behind that. What he did was he flaffed about with answers, cowered behind the same PR line that we've been given about how everyone's under 23 and aren't we doing such a good job? And that was it. So I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying. I do think there's another side to it, which again, I'm not saying I agree with. I'm just putting the other side forward of if you set out targets, especially in the position that we're in, it becomes a bit of a, a rod for our own back. And if it comes to the end of the season, we don't achieve them. It just does look like a, a, a real a failure. A fa- a failure. Because and, it, and, no, because and it, it would is. be. And it would because be. It I, is. No, no, absolutely. And I, and I agree. I just think that's probably why he didn't do it. But on what you but just said. I think said, that's, on, that's the issue. On what you said about the PR line, I, I do agree. And sort of reading through this guy interview, Jeff, the questions, and this is why I'm like, why didn't we control this? Because if, if we wanted this to be about squad building, that's fine. But he's saying, you know, the problem with Arsenal fans is, you know, this this hasn't improved them right now. And, you know, there's things aren't going well. What happened, William? He's moving off. He's saying on the pitch, this isn't going well. And every every time I, I agree, Edu kind of shifts the question slightly to be, but look, if you look at the thing we're doing with the squad, we're building from, you know, we're building a foundation, blah, 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 not addressing what's happening on the pitch. And I think that this is the issue, right? There is a, Arsenal fans don't want to hear it. They, they, if we, if we'd won our first three games and Edu came out and explained the, the squad transfer, pol- uh, the, the transfer policy, I think everyone would be going, oh, fantastic. We're building a foundation and we've won these three games. We're looking in great shape for the future and now. But when you're in this position, I don't think it's a sensible thing. And I think there's a reason he did it in an, in an international break where there's less eyes on it. I don't think it's a sensible thing to come out and say, look, project, 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 project without some, and I agree with you, without some kind of look, we know this is not good enough fronting up you know mm-hmm. we don't get much time from edu we don't get much time we get a lot of time mikhail press conferences and stuff but edu coming out and i agree making a really clear statement and going look this is not good enough we have not performed well enough discussing those defeats discussing what happened being really clear looking the camera down the uh looking the camera down the eye uh, looking down the uh, the barrel of the camera and saying look this isn't good enough but what we're doing squad building is this and what we're doing in the short term is this and really laying that out i don't want to say that indicates they have no plan but what it does do is not inspire confidence. Um, Absolutely. And there's hard. a few issues as well with the fact that, you know, it's come out that Edu was apparently one of the big uh, factors behind Project Youth. But then in other athletic articles, when the Ramsdale deals were hitting a stall, it came out that Edu was pushing to get Neto. So it also becomes what's the truth? What's fiction? What's And what is the, you know, PRFC of Edu's come under fire? Let's say that he's done a great job and is this project youth idea, but that's contradicted by an athletic article two weeks ago and those kind of things. On the foundations talk, I think you hit the nail on the head with people don't want to hear it. Both of them have been in their job for over, what, 18 months now or more? Edu, two years, Mikel, 18 months, yeah. Yeah. They've had enough time to build a foundation. I don't want to hear talk of, oh, we need to build a foundation. 
what have you been doing for the last two years? Because if you're two years down the line and you're telling me you need to build a foundation, what that screams to me is you haven't been doing your job well enough for the last two years. And I think that feeds into perfectly this idea of controlling the narrative, being succinct and clear about what message we're putting out. Because if you're saying you want to build a foundation and you've been in the job 18 months, what that tells me as a moderately intelligent person, you know, somebody who's not an idiot, but I'm not a fool. My brain then goes- I wish you guys saw that. I wish you guys saw that. (laughs) My brain then automatically just goes, well, what the fuck have you been doing this entire time? Yeah. Leicester had a strong defence and had a succinct style of play six months, less than six months, six weeks after Rodgers took over. And they've got a transfer policy that they've had for years. We've seen the same from Liverpool. We've seen the same from a lot of clubs that have had new managers. They come in. The issue is we're talking about building a foundation 18 months into it. And I think that's why we are so close to, to, you know, the end for Mikel Arteta if the next three games don't go to plan. Because he's had 18 months and only now is he talking about building a foundation. Yeah. And I think it comes down to ultimately the results are the results and that sets mm-hmm. the backdrop for what, what the fans expect and what the fans are feeling yeah. and what, what we're demanding and what the players are, are feeling. Um, I can't remember who said this, but it was, it was something along the lines of like, I hope the players are, are seeing this as well. And, you know, we, we're going to get into Norwich and how we kind of turn this around in just a second. But, uh, but basically what I'm trying to say is I agree with you that they've had enough time and it, and it almost feels as though there's a, not, not, not like a shock or like a sort of like, oh, but guys, you know, we're building a foundation. We're building a Well, yeah, but you've been here for ages. Like you've been here for ages doing that. This, you know, two years. You can't ignore that part. You can't ignore the fact that you've been in the job for two years. I understand hmm. if you've come in day one, you go, right, you know, we've got this window. We're doing this. And I, there's a lot of firefighting that Mikel and Eddie have had to do. But I look around and I'm like, I'm not sure the players and this is why I, th- I hope the players are seeing this I'm, I'm not understanding it and reading it for what it is I'm not sure they realise the depths of where we are like or, 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 or and where I, they not, have guided not, us to I'm not yeah and I'm not I'm not saying that's that's a bit of conjecture warning conjecture ahead but there's there doesn't feel to me that sort of urgency maybe is what I'm trying to say that sort of that sort of like we know where we are this is not 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 good enough there feels and I appreciate how to put out a calm message but also Showing a bit of passion, showing a bit of engagement, showing a bit of like, it's absolutely dis- what what's happening right now is not good enough. And we can hide behind excuses. I think Mikel does this slightly, but I was disappointed that Edu just didn't say something like, this is not good enough. We are really ashamed of where we are. This is not, this is not what Arsenal football club should be. Mm-hmm. Should, the expectations of this club should be. We've, we've been in the job long enough that this, this shouldn't be happening. We should have been preparing for this for years. You know, it doesn't feel like there's an understanding of where we are, and that's and that's maybe my concern about it. Of going, do you guys realise what's happening? Like, do you know? And I also think, let alone, do you have the skill to deal with it? Yeah, I mean, that's another question. But I think going off what you say as well, that's one of the biggest parts of of football across every kind of myriad of the game, right? I saw a clip with Gary Neville talking uh, to Fergie about uh, a last minute winner at Old Trafford and talking about how 
you always need to play with that risk in the 90th minute, like throwing the ball forward, trying to score a goal because, you know, you're there to, to at, the, at the end of the day, you, the whole, the whole point of it is, you know, fans going home to their wives and kids and, and explaining how electric Old Trafford was in the 90th minute when this goal was scored and whatever. And that's exactly what we're not doing. When the, the reason we're not setting expectations is because it adds an element of risk. And to these guys, what this screams, they care more about their job security than doing their job correctly. They care more about platitudes and saying, oh, I don't want to set expectations because I just want to see the team play and build something together than going, no, this is where we want to be. This is where we want to go. This is our minimum expectations. If we fail, we fail, but we fail together. And that is what you need in successful football clubs. Every football club has it. It's a minimum level of expectation that you expect from people. And this is why people like Aubameyang at points has had a bit of an off time because I don't think he's expect. This is why I think Mesut Ozil as well near the end had a bit of an off time because, you know, he was allowed to miss training and and all of these things whenever he asked Wenger. You know, I think that there's there needs to now be a minimum expectation of how you are expected to behave and mm. I do not think that Mikel or Edu instills that at all because there's wishy-washy nature in the way that they deal with players. You know, we're talking about our doors always open to Jack Wilshire and Saliba's swinging open 60 doors just trying to get to the right one <laughs> to even have a conversation with the poor guy. And you've got Edu going, oh, I don't want to say we'll finish in the top 10. Like, it's... Yeah, it is baffling. And then it you, is baffling. And then you compare it to like the clarity of, of conversation. From did you see that uh, the Aston Villa chairman? Yeah, like what happened? Like that—that's yep. a level of clarity and that level of aims is what people can get behind. I think people can, people can accept where they are. They just can't accept that there's no hope. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? I think you can go. Do you know and what? No okay. Honesty. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like I think we can go right. We're here, first three games, all of these caveats, 100%. Yeah, we've now got the players back and we can accept moving forward, but not if there's no, I think the word would be urgency. And this is actually, this is a brilliant sort of um, jumping forward point for for previewing Norwich, which I'd like to do now. Yeah. And talking about where we are, because as I see it, okay, so there was was an interview with, um, and excuse my scatterbrain, pulling many ideas together but I, I there's i i see it quite clearly now as we'll come with you of, on the journey as in terms of what arteta what he's got to deal with and what what the issues are trying to diagnose them there's an interview with kieran tierney where he talks about and you know ignoring all prfc conversations and whether there's a sort of in crowd out crowd tierney says and according to tierney he says that Mikel inspires him and makes him feel comfortable and secure because he knows exactly what he has to do. He describes, you know, he talks about, you know, there's, I think it was from maybe 2020 season. Uh, go back and look at it. He talks about how Mikel describes situations and says, this is what you've got to do in this situation. And there's this kind of meticulous planning and rigidity. And there's this kind of laser focus, I feel, um, you know, from the likes of that interview, from the likes of the, the conversations around strategy, around trying to reduce variables which i understand in football so off the pitch on the pitch on the pitch he's trying to reduce variables he's trying to reduce the likelihood of risk uh, the likelihood of um, ironic the likelihood of um 
of uh, of things going wrong. He's trying to get people in situations where they know exactly what they're doing. We're trying to get people off the pitch who know exactly what they're doing. We're trying to implement a strategy which is long term, clear, has outcomes, has is measurable, is you know, and trying to create a. We're trying to steady the ship and stop this this downward spiral. The problem is football doesn't work like that. You can't be successful in football without risk, and there's too many variables that you can't control. And I think Mikel yeah. strug- I think Mikel really struggles with that. And I think something he's going to have to do to turn this around is to accept that there are variables he can't control, and there are things that will go wrong. You can't account for individual mistakes. You can't account for players going, you know, players being out with COVID. You can't account for, you know, or you can't rely on these young players coming good in two, three years time, whatever. It's not going to happen. This group of young players, think back to Carl Jenkinson, you know, that group of players with uh, Chamberlain and Gibbs and the English core. It it never works out the way you think it's going to work out because there's too many variables in this game, which is why we love it, but also why and why there's so much discussion and why there's so many angles to take on football. But for Mikel, the way I see it and the issue and looking forward and moving forward now, it's yet another indication of a club that is scared of risk and a club that is scared of of going out there. And you see it translated on the pitch. You see players pulling out of challenges, not not being aggressive, not being front-footed, not being assertive. You see that on the pitch and it comes off on the pitch. You don't see, we're going to aim for that top six. We're going to, here's, you know, this isn't good enough. That assertion, it runs through deeply in the club. And I understand the idea to control as many variables as you can, remain calm and all, all that sort of stuff. But that's just not how the game works. And ultimately, it all comes down to results. And results hinge on, as we say so many times, results hinge on the the kick of a boot, the the a def- deflection, a scuff, a, a, a moment of separation. These are tiny little things which come from, ultimately, a mentality of wanting and aiming to win. And if you lose that assertiveness in place of a meticulous constant plan whether that be on the pitch off the pitch you know in 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 interviews in dressing rooms whatever if you lose that that moment of risk that moment of excitement which football relies on and is built on and we love the reason we love football is for that you lose everything and you, you don't you're never going to be able to move forward and i think until i see an arsenal team willing to breathe accept there's some risks accept there's some things they can't control and still go for it not play with this cautiousness on and off the pitch i don't see how we move forward no, 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 no. You're absolutely right. Um, we, I think that's also why we don't see a style of play because we're, we're not taking risks. We're not, we're not being attacking, nor are we being really defensive. We're not, we're not counterattacking. We're not, there's no clear aim. And it, it, it's like you say, all of those things come with a risk. If you're going to play like fast flowing, attacking football and try and suffocate the opposition, there's always the chance that a long ball over the top breaks your bra- your back line and they're in. Or, you know, you can get countered. And the same that if you're sitting in a low block waiting to counter, one good pass from a De Bruyne or a Fernandez could break up all of that work. So in the end, we end up doing this mish- mishmashed kind of idea where we're apparently giving individual players how to deal with every single scenario, but not setting up a tactic for the team half the time or what feels like we're not setting up the way that the team should play and the patterns should be. And then it ends up being a bunch of individuals trying to play a team game and nobody knows what anyone else is going to do. Yeah. No, I I, you know? I I think there's a... And look, 
you have to have a plan, but football isn't played on tactics boards in board meetings. It's played on a pitch. And like, I think, you know, this interview, to sum up everything we've kind of been saying, this interview, this situation with Arteta, what he has to do, it's releasing the valve a bit. It's letting it go. It's letting these players express themselves. And I hope we've got the right characters. And that's part of that's part of planning, getting the right characters who can do that. And getting those players, but letting those letting those players release and and express themselves on a football pitch, and not be this meticulous mm-hmm. moment. Uh, you know, this meticulous team that everything has to be rigid and everything has to be set. It's and like has to it's be... the tweet that I read out. It's the tweet that I read out like f- maybe four episodes ago, where it basically read that uh, for Arsenal to score a goal, every single thing in that pattern of play has to go perfectly. We never score out of nothing. For us to concede a goal, a single thing has to go wrong. We crush freedom of expression on a football pitch mm. and creativity for a rigid style of play, for a rigid n- non-style of play mm. that hasn't been working for the last kind of 13 months now. So it's... Yeah, I mean, it's very worrying. I think we're about one bad result from the chopping block, um, which isn't good, which isn't a good place to be as a club four mm. games into the season. Can I can I ask something, though? Has the has the break changed your perspective on any of this? No. Okay. In the same way that the summer break didn't change my my perspective, and when we lost to Brentford, I, I called for his head, and I was serious, and I still am serious about it. I think it's unacceptable that he's had a whole preseason, he's had eighteen months, and I still can't see a style of play that that gets ev- every player to play that way. Mm. Because you know, and there's decisions off the field that then make no sense. If we want to play passing out from the back and that style of football, why are we keeping Rob Holding and sending Saliba out on loan for cover? Because then we. Ha- and and keeping Pablo Mari, there's lots of decisions and there's lots of things that just aren't assuaged by the luxury of time anymore. It's not that. Whereas usually, like if if you know, I I remember um, bad results under the the Wenger era and losing like like that fucking game we keep talking about with Liverpool when they smash us like five one. I remember that game and just being absolutely like disgusted and furious and then after a couple of weeks later I was like okay well look we got exposed we have we didn't have the personnel but we've got a clear style of play that look okay we might get battered every now and again but we are going to batter teams and we'll be able to go toe-to-toe with teams the issue is is we have nothing at the moment we don't have anything that we can draw back on Uh, there's nothing that I can fall back on and go look We've just lost our first three games. We've been pretty much battered in all three of them. So, uh, and then I'm going, okay, well, what can I fall back on? And I'm going, well, the last 12 months was horrible. I still can't see a a style of play. What am I falling back on? The, The kind of the FA Cup from now two years ago, where we got through the semi-final by scoring both shots that we had on target. And we won the final by scoring both shots that we had on target. And this is what I mean by like Arteta's, I think Arteta's luck has run out because now when we're having those two shots on target, they're not going in. So we're not winning games. Mm. And I I think also when you look at the present situation, I mean, you know, looking, previewing Norwich, you know, looking at the next four fixtures, we've got Arsenal at home uh, to Norwich tomorrow. We've got Burnley away playing Wimbledon in the cup and then we've got the, the North London derby. 
three winnable fixtures and then, and then a competitive, but again, winnable um, game against Spurs, or in theory, winnable. I think a, a large amount of my concern... So, so going back slightly, I think the international break has given me a little bit of hope. It's given me a bit of breathing space and it's given me a bit of a bit of context. I do think there's elements of the the plan that I like. There's elements of of the messaging that I that I've liked, but I've obviously expressed the concerns that I do have um, just now. What I would say is on the variables thing, though. Looking at the current situation, we're relying on so many things that there's so many question marks over. We're relying on people coming back from injuries, which you know is always going to take time. We're looking at Gabrielle Party. Um, uh, ben uh, Ben White wasn't injured, but sorry, wasn't from COVID. But basically, players who've come Still back, gonna struggle. players who haven't played in a while. We're relying on those. Mm. We're relying on partnerships to slot in very quickly. We're relying on on new players to to settle in. We're relying on um, experienced internationals. Uh, sorry, our experienced players who we, we're not. We have question marks over all of those. So the kind of the path forward, as much as I understand this kind of foundation of young players, doesn't in actuality doesn't feel that simple doesn't feel like it's based on real solid uh, logic and kind of well well everything will be fine when gabrielle and party and will it do you know what i mean like will it really be just all be fine when these these players are back we the, for me the the one thing that i'm hoping for to see and and a turnaround is performances like to be honest, you know, obviously results would be nice, but the biggest thing I'm looking for is those players to go out there and fight. And and I'm and I and I know I sound like Tony Pulis when I talk about this, but I do just think I want I, I, Tony Pulis might might inspire some fight in these players. Like I want them to have responded to being bottom of the table. I want to see these players because you know we've we've watched languid, turgid performances from players that we know have more than that in them so we have to come together as a team and fight we can't control everything and this is the biggest thing i i want to see over the next couple of weeks and and the biggest thing that i think we need to look at is what do we want as a club who are we and how can we translate that onto the pitch how are we going to fight it doesn't matter who we face it can be norwich city slavia prague or fucking BSC young boys it doesn't matter if you aren't willing to go out on the pitch and fight you will lose yeah I think it's it's also that we've got to wonder whether the manager's going to allow them to do that because we're and talking that's the about you know allowing you know having these players go out and, ex- and express themselves and you know we've been saying this for, for months if, we're, if they're not allowed to if they're if they're confined by a system that doesn't work mm it isn't going to end well. And I I think we are now at a stage where we have said long enough, for me anyway, I just want to see performance. I can't count the amount of times that we have said this on, on, on the podcast over the last kind of season and the start of this season. We now need to see performance and results. You've had you've had your you've had the back end of the season before last. You've had the whole of last season. It's no longer that we just want to see performance. It's unacceptable that we're still having to say, "Oh, I just want to see a good performance, even if we draw or even if we lose." We're playing Norwich. Like they're fucking shit. <laughs> we need to be seeing a, a performance and a thrashing. That is the only thing that's acceptable. And if we draw or if we lose, he should go. Mate, I'd, I'd take a, honestly, I'd take a, a cheeky one nil at this point. 
No, no, no. Genuinely, if he yeah. if we draw or if we lose, he has to go. And if he doesn't take the maximum points or at least seven points from the next three games, again, he should go. Because one thing that we have to notice is you look at other clubs that have instilled managers this season across the country. Tottenham brought in Nuno. Not the best manager. A, an objectively bad at points manager, right? But what they do have is a clear style that they're sticking to, that it suits the players. They've signed players for that style and they're moving forward and they're top of the table because of it. All right. Do I think they'll win the league with Nudo in charge? No. Do I think they'll bottle it and probably end up finishing sixth or seventh? Probably. But you can see a style moving forward that's taken six weeks to implement. I, I do have to say, I actually, I, I would tailor my... My firstly, I would tailor whether I think you should go after a loss against Norwich. It would be, yeah, kind of next game or bust. But I don't, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway. No, it's anyway, it's what next, the, we've been saying next game or bust for weeks. Okay, but yeah, I, 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 the way I'm feeling right now, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want him gone. But what I would say is. That's I, mental. <laughs> I actually, that's me- I'm that is actually mental. You are a little bit. I you believe too much. Okay. What I would say actually is I think I actually think the plan is clearer than a lot of people say it is. I just think the implementation isn't that great and I'm not sure it's the best plan for this group of players. I actually think the plan of five players in that attack with Tierney on that left hand side, the you know, most most teams play with, with five in their attacking channels. Um I think, you know, it clearly it's a playing out for the back system. Hopefully the Rams there then we can get a bit more variation. I think we try and progress it through the middle. We've got two good ball progressors in Xhaka and um uh and uh party when he's back i think the signing of tommy asu i think fits into a sort of you know three at the back system when we're playing out i think there is a and a number 10 and you know erdegaard sitting out on that right hand side i think there's a there's a system there the question is is that the best system for this group of players and that's arteta's job to look at and to tinker with and we've looked good in a 3-4-3 we've looked good in other systems it's not as if this is the only option so i i understand what you mean about people implementing systems what i think it, it actually is is implementing the right system for that group of players and i'm not i don't sh- think this is the wrong system though i just think it's the wrong implementation of it because at the end of the day what this screams to me from all the advice and everything is um he's got them set up in a way to play against cones to play against people that aren't there making their own intellectually advised decisions you know because as much as you can tell Kieran Tierney, oh, do this if this happens, do that and that happens, you know, he's playing, he's not playing against a robot that's got one of two choices. Mm. And this is the issue. And it's like you, you say with, with variables, you literally cannot prepare for every single scenario. You can't. So stop trying, set up a style of play that you can execute attacking wise and that you can execute defensively and go with that. And tinker with it and see what works. We're focusing too individually and not expansively enough. Not on the whole effort and the whole team. We're focusing far too much on like the the minute details that change every second with every decision. And that is why we're failing. Because as soon as a goal goes in because of one decision that hasn't been explained or hasn't gone our way with, with, you know, this person doing this and Kieran Tierney's been told to do this and this and it doesn't work or whatever. The heads drop and everything goes to shit. Do you remember remember before the podcast I said that I didn't enjoy the international break? 
Yeah, maybe I, I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why you believe again. You've recharged your batteries. I've recharged my batteries again. and I'm like, oh, I'll take four, four more losses. It'll be fine. Oh, I have on my, uh, on my notes. Brad, do you have any opinions on Edu? <laughs> okay. <sighs> well, listen, we will head to news and views. I, I do. I agree with what you're saying. I know it came a bit, bit of an abrupt end, but I think we were kind of heading around in circles there. I, I just, yeah. I just think it's win it's, or bust. I think it's it's win or bust now. We've got to do it. There's no more. Ah, the longer we don't win, months. the longer in, the longer the, the longer that we don't win, the longer we're in the relegation zone, and we'll be fucking relegated, mate. We'll see you after this. News and Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views. But mostly ours, just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, you can support us on Patreon, where you get access to ad-free and film version of the podcast for just £5 a month. And for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com, where you can... Buy me a coffee. The links are in the show description. Uh, Also, if you're still listening, and if you're appreciating the, uh, as Sky Sports will put it, heated debate even though it's not a heated debate um we would appreciate you giving us a rating if you're on apple podcasts or anywhere else uh if you listen to us regularly and you fancy it uh we really appreciate it so yeah any i think google do them as well not sure spotify do them but uh any of those give us a rating we would much appreciate it ideally a nice one but if you hate us that's fine too we do have we, we do have one one star review brad on do we i think i know who it is as well who is it? I'll say off the pod. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I know who it yeah. is now as well. <laughs> uh, also, I know you don't have access to our um, our different knock email. It is absolutely hilarious. I've never received so many spam emails. Dear friend, you've been compensated with the sum of $4.3 million. Dear friend, uh, I came across your email contact in a prior search. Someone put Mr. Joshua Kunte sent us a, uh, an email which started with Buendia and I thought don't fucking push it don't fucking push it you little prick we get so many spam emails on Gmail I don't understand why so if you want to spam the oh. different knock at gmail.com with some uh, with some promises of funds uh, we'd appreciate that uh, we do have a tweet in from at Michael Vusani, who says, at Diffknock, I don't get why people are surprised with Kalasnac playing. He is still with us, the club, and the club is paying him. The manager has to make him feel part of it. Give him a chance. Even Cedric, give him a chance. It's open for anyone who wants to impress. Um, I do get the principle of I get what anyone saying, who wants to impress. I, I, yeah. I, I just don't think they can impress. I think they're fucking terrible footballers. Um... I, yeah, look, players that are there are obviously going to be av- be available. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you need to use them, obviously use them. They're contracted but using players. Ka- yeah, yeah. yeah, using Kalazanac against City is horrendous. Like, it is is bad. Um, yeah, we we of course, but by the same arguments, we should be using Gwenduzi, we should be using Saliba, we should be using all the players that we've shipped out on loan that look like they could do a job for us. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, but with with Cedric and Kalazanac, I think the the more poignant conversation around it should be why are they still contracted to the club? Yeah. Rather than, they are still contracted to the club, use them. It should be, why are these absolute dross footballers still at the club? And I think that's more where the the kind of more 
interesting conversation lies. But I do agree. If you have players available, you should use them. It should just depend on the game. For example, Kalazanac should only play against clubs like AFC Wimbledon because that's his level. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with the principle of kind of if you have a player contracted, then, you know, I'm, and I'm sure the club are open to Kalazanac becoming Roberto Carlos any day now. But I do think there's a kind of argument with this of sort of, well, they're just going to sit there depreciating. The club on the pitch shouldn't eat that. They shouldn't eat that up. That should be a Cronky problem. That's the Cronky's problem. If they, if they have not got, and the board's problem, that Mikel and the coaching staff and the players should not be having to deal with low quality players just because we need to keep their value up by playing them. If they're shit players, they're not going to sell for much anyway. And we will lose, mm. we will eat that. We will eat those problems in in the in the in the short term when they're on the pitch. We will be the yep. we will be the losers in that situation, and everyone mm-hmm. will lose rather than keeping them off the pitch. Yep. And the Cronkies have got to take that hit. Yep. You know, I, I I do think I'm open to listen. Cedric scored two against Brentford in in a behind closed doors friendly, so maybe he's our he's the answer to all of our our strike, Stick him up front, striking mate. woes. <laughs> I'd a I'd a um a, a FIFA career mode. Where I had a regen called Camp Cameron Drew, and he was he was a left no he was a right back and we stuck him up front and it went very well. So what I'm saying is, Brad, twenty goal season incoming. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we move, we move. <laughs> it's it's prophesied. <laughs> Cammy Drew, we miss him. Um, okay, Brad, we had uh, a tweet which caught ruffled some feathers between you and I. I'm just trying to make it. We didn't. We just had a conversation about it, but I want to make it sound yeah. more dramatic. Me and Brad really fell out over this. We we weren't speaking for what twenty minutes. It was it was honestly probably about three minutes between replies. But. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do you want to present the uh, the case? Um, have you got the actual tweet that I sent you? I th- okay, you, you go you go ahead. I've spoken way too much. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll I'll get it up. Let me just. I'm just gonna pop to our little text chat. Okay. Thing. Okay. Uh, you uh, re you quote tweeted a tweet from. Uh, Lathy29, that is, uh, if you call yourself an Arsenal supporter who wants your club to lose on Saturday against Norwich, you really need to have a word with yourself and then find another team to support. And I don't really like that in the sense of, um, I, I think it's very strange wanting your club to lose. I just don't think that any fan has the right to tell any other fan that they're not fans. Because I've seen a lot of this, you know, oh, if you want Arsenal to lose on Saturday because you don't like the regime, well, then you're not a proper Arsenal fan. I don't think anyone has the Who's right knocking, to tell any... I think it's upstairs. I think they're building furniture or something, it's... the bastards. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's David Dean. Let me out! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's still going. You don't have the uh, right, Yeah, Sorry. I just don't... I just don't think anyone has the right to tell any fan of something that they're not a proper fan because of this, because then, you know, when does the line stop? I watch all of the the games from the comfort of my own home, but I watch it in a more probably in-depth detail. I, I spend time analyzing it. I take notes for this podcast. And then yeah, some that people sense. that go to the really Emirates, then some people that go to the Emirates for the social and to get pissed and to not remember the game after it and for the kind of event of it. So who's a proper fan in that scenario? The answer is both of us. You can support your club in any way that you want. 
No one, none of you own the club. So none of you have the right to dictate the way that other human beings should run and live their lives. You can think it's weird. You can think it's strange. You can even think that it's probably the wrong way to um, constructively support the club. But you don't have the right to to damn it or to say it's not proper support. Um, on the actual issue, I also think that there's there's I remember very very clearly uh, the two all draw with Southampton, where Lacazette scored two late goals and it basically saved Emery's job. And I saw Hugh Wizzy say this, you know, big out. I've not mentioned him in a while. Oh, he's back. Uh, I've had this. I've had this conversation with you. If at that point you'd offered me Lacazette to not score the second of those two goals, but for Emery to go sooner, would I have taken the defeat to get Emery out of the job at that point? Yes, I would have. And I think I'm now at a situation with Arteta where I want us to win tomorrow. I will support him and the lads for 90 minutes. But if we lose tomorrow and he gets sacked, I think that that could be a good thing for the club moving forward because I, in my personal opinion, over the last 18 months, or probably not 18 months, over the last kind of 13, 14 months, haven't seen a lot that's inspired the confidence in me moving forward to think that this is a good regime in the same way that if I woke up tomorrow and found out that Edu had lost his job, I would see that as a positive because I would see that as the club realising it's a mistake to hire him and moving forward with somebody who is way more um, experienced Qualified. and skilled with their job. <laughs> Qualified, especially after the news came out from Tony Adams that um, Edu bungled the Jude Bellingham deal, which is a shambles. He did what? Because he bungled. would be... Bungled. Have you never heard that phrase? Fumbled. Bungled is also a phrase. Bungled. Fumbled this is, is, this is yeah. peak early different knock, me looking up things that you've said. You know, Karam. so... Listen, I'm not saying I want us to lose. I don't, and I think that anyone that does say that they want the club to lose tomorrow because they want an end result is strange. But would I be lying if I said that I wouldn't feel all right if we lost and Mikel got sacked and we look like we were going to turn a corner when it came to kind of appointing somebody new, maybe somebody more experienced who has uh, a kind of more proven style of play. Yeah, I think that I think that could be a positive for the club. More of a positive that I currently see uh, in in the actual regime that's running the club at the moment. So it's it's a really difficult line to tread. And I think one thing to re- oh, David Dean agrees. <laughs> I think there's one thing that we also have to realise is at this point, Mikel looks no better than Emery. Their records, if anything, Mikel's is worse. The only difference is an FA Cup and an FA Cup that's currently saving his job. So I I don't think there's any difference. So if you did offer me a one-all draw tomorrow and he got sacked the next morning or a one-nil loss tomorrow and he got sacked in the next morning with Edu and we got in fucking, I don't know, Ranjik or Campos and then Graham Potter, I, of course I'd take it in a heartbeat, I think. Mm. Because I don't believe in the current regime. And I think it's important to understand it comes from where you sit as a fan and where your belief sits. If your belief sits in this regime, you're not going to think like me. And that's fine and acceptable. You just don't have the right to tell me I'm not a proper fan because I have different beliefs than you about how the club should move forward. Yeah. No, I I, 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 I do agree with what you just said there. I, I, and also bungled is a word. I, I, keep, being, I keep being humbled uh, when you 
you say words that I think you've made up, but they're they're right. It's just got a very good vocabulary. Um, the yeah. I, so at risk of turning this into Ben Shapiro destroys leftists type free speech sort of conversation where someone clearly doesn't know what they're talking about, i.e. me. I don't want to go into the kind of free speech. Well, you know, you, you, you saying I can't say it is a thing on my free speech. I think there's a thing about being a fan though, and like what's the best way to fan? And there isn't one, as you said. Like there isn't a no. right way to fan. One thing I will say though, and yeah, one thing I will say is, I do think it's weird that people want the team to lose, and I think it should be okay. Wait, wait, wait. Go on. But here's the difference, right? I I agree with you. I don't think, and I think here's where the kind of the the grey area and the detail of it lies. I don't actively want the team to lose. I would accept a loss if it meant change. And I yeah, think that's, that makes that's the difference. That's the difference between probably what I would call, there's almost like three levels of fans. Positive fans that want the regime to succeed at all costs, no matter whether we get relegated, aka you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, Dickheads it's not, who are just like, not even untrue. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I really want us to lose because then Mikel can get gone. Because I think actively wanting your team to lose is weird. But tomorrow for 90 minutes, no matter what, until the last whistle, I will be wanting and willing my team to win. Yeah. But if we lost and he got sacked, I would accept it. I would accept yeah. a loss for change. And I can understand. I think that's the difference. And I, can under- and I can understand that. And I see the value. I see the value in a loss for a change in the regime that would inspire mm-hmm. long-term growth and the stability and mm-hmm. the promotion of the club. I get that, right? And that makes sense to me. And also, this is and the reason I mentioned the sort of Ben Shapiro thing is like me saying I think it's weird does not take away anyone's right to do it. You know, me, mm. but me, yeah, but, but the the slight difference is me saying I don't think you have the right to in the way you say it, which I I don't know, I don't don't completely agree. The idea that me saying, oh, okay, well, I don't think I think it's weird that you want the team to lose because you're a supporter. Obvious reasons. You have Why every you... right to say that. Yeah, that's what I mean. But 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 when, earlier yeah. on, when you were saying, I don't think people have the right to tell fans. You just no no no. You just you can think it's weird. You just don't have the right to dictate the way that other people support their club. Okay. Yeah, I and, agree with that. And as in, like, you can't. And I think that's uh, what I'm, what I'm saying is that like, you, I I think it's weird when people actively want their club to lose. I just don't think that me or you or anyone else has the right to call the people that do actively want the team to lose because they want change, not proper supporters of the club. I think it's weird because obviously it's almost the antithesis of support. You're actively willing against it. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I just don't think we we can call it weird. We just don't have the right to say you're not as much of a fan as me. Well, it's a semantic issue. I think we have the right to say that. I think I have the right to say I think it's weird that you you want us to lose another fan. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't think we have the 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 we well we don't have the right to say it's 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 like a semantic issue, isn't it? I don't have the right to tell you what to think but I don't have any power to remove you from the conversation. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to of say. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And I think there I, are, I think that's what I'm trying to say yeah, as well. Yeah. Just using it's like different it's language. A, it's a semantic thing. And what, what it is, is like, yeah. I think there are some people who want to remove those people from the conversation and that's not fair. Cause that's telling people how to think, no. telling people what to say and telling people how to feel, which because is. Because remember cool. all of those people are just a more extreme version of, of, of me 
You know, they're just on the other side of the line from me. I'm probably the middle ground and you're Jesus. one side of the argument <laughs> and they're the other side of the argument. Do you really see it like that? Do you think, do you think, do you think you're sort of an average of, and this is, in, is not a rhetorical question. Do you think you're sort of an average of Arsenal fans? Um, I don't know. I think it's difficult to we're gauge in a really weird, sentiment, We're it? in a really weird, difficult generation, Alex, where... I'm just about old enough to remember some of the glory days and the 2006 Champions League final. Um, You've got all the bingos today, mate. <laughs> but I'm still too... Just need to call someone a nonce and then you're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've done that for there me. So if you've got your bingo cards out, you've won. Um, yeah, but I'm still too young to really, really be as enthused as I was during our real heyday. But I think that I don't. I don't know if I'd call myself the median of the Arsenal fans or the Arsenal fan base during every single topic of debate or conversation. Mm. I just think in this instance, I f- I feel from the way that we're explaining things that I am the clear middle ground because you have the one extreme, which is I want the team to lose because I want this regime gone. You have the other extreme where. I don't care if we lose. I want this regime to stay as long as we get a good performance. And you have me in the middle going, well, I want the team to win because I I do support the club. But if we did lose, I would accept it if it meant regime change. So I think in this conversation, I'm the... And weirdly, because I'm always the extreme, I'm a bit of the middle ground. But I think one thing to notice is the age range of people who are on each sides of these arguments. What I tend to find is a lot of younger people tend to be more on your side and a lot of older people tend to be on the other side. Mm. And I think that comes from expectation and what you've grown up watching. The people older than us who are on the other side of this conversation and debate and remember I'm talking in absolutes. There will always be exception to everything that I talk about in this next few sentences because everyone is different. But the pattern that I've noticed is that older people who grew up during that heyday, watching it and vividly remember that, are on the other side of the argument now and they actively want us to lose because they want the regime to change because they have no belief in it. And I think that the younger side who aren't as accustomed to success are slightly more happy to accept it because when you aren't used to seeing your team lifting the league and you aren't used to seeing your team in the Champions League final or semi-finals all of the time, you set different expectations to the people who have experienced those things. So, so I think it also becomes an age issue into what you've experienced and what expectations you put upon the club. Yeah, no, I, I, I generally agree with that. I, I would say... I think old. I think there's probably not loads. I don't think there's loads of people who actively want us to lose. But I think there's a lot of. I think I do agree with your generalization in terms of probably people with different expectations who are likely to be older are more likely to want the regime mm. gone. I do get that. I think it's difficult yeah. to to gauge fan sentiment. I think it's really hard because it depends. It's so hard. It depends what conversations you're involved in. It depends who's at your work. Twitter's a bubble. Who's who you follow on Twitter? Who are you in the Discord with? Are you? Who's your mate? Who do you talk to? Who, which podcast you listen to? It depends who you... It depends, and, and, and more likely, you're going to listen to people you agree with. You're not going to spend all your mm-hmm. time listening to people you disagree with. Um, like I <laughs> I watched... Slightly off topic, I watched a, an interview with Candace Owens yesterday and I'd say I disagree with her on 99% of, of topics. Literally every issue you, that she talks yeah, about because she's a fucking idiot. Well, yeah. But 
but actually that that's really hard to listen to for long and it was a two two and a half hour podcast or an hour and a half something podcast and that was hard you don't you don't tend to end up in situations where you're constantly around people you disagree with so you do end up in a bit of a bubble so i have to appreciate that i think it depends on issues though doesn't it as in like for example this issue neither of us know what the right move forward is neither you on the left me in the middle or them on the right know what the solution is truly it's all a game we just all it's want all, change it's all this flip of a coin mm-hmm. it's all a flip of a coin and we don't know whether keeping this regime going through the hard bit is going to get us the success we want whether accepting the loss and changing the regime is going to get the success we want so then it becomes another different kind of conversation and i think that i understand the comparison but with candace owen she speaks on issues like climate change which is just obviously fucking real and says that it isn't real and says that she doesn't believe the science and i'm like well you're not a fucking scientist so i think it's a different kind of conversation i think it's they're drilling now but i think it i think it becomes more of a conversation when it comes about this that we're all none of us know what what the what the reality is none of us know what the the truth is and none of us know what will fix the situation we all just actively want change yeah whereas when we are listening to 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 people refute irrefutable things like vaccines aren't good for you you know it's 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 you know there, there is a reason most of the people dying in hospital aren't the vaccinated ones, and it's not because the government have released a new super virus, guys. These are the opinions These of, are the of, Bradley of Bradley Adams, <laughs> and not the different not podcast. Um, you know, I, I think that's the difficulty, isn't it? Because I've listened to she did a podcast with Joe Rogan, and that popped across my youtube because i watched his podcast with a really fascinating guy who wrote books on addiction and that was underneath it and i listened to it and i i share your sentiment it's fucking hard to listen to people that just talk shit on stuff that's so true and i think this is why this conversation is even more difficult because none of us knows what's true none of us knows what what the situation is or how to how to fix it or what's actually going to get us the result that we want so we're all just like yeah. going, here's ideas, 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 <laughs> ideas, 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 yeah. you know? And to, and to kind of tie up that like sort of political theme, you know, often there's a lot of kind of crossover between two people on sort of opposing ends of the political spectrum. They'd say, well, I think you can't trust the government, but here's my opinions on how we fix that. Well, I think you can't trust the government. So I think, you know, you have more government or let's go, you know, it's like we all almost all share the same view of what the issue is. Not completely. Everyone's got different sort of... We're very close. But but they end up being quite close and it's just how you think those things should be fixed. And you're right, like that is a, a fascinating thing and may, maybe something... I think something I, I want to try and do is try and listen to more different solutions because I think sometimes I, I, I personally, and everyone does, like everyone gets stuck in a kind of, not an echo chamber, but a sort of, um, I actually, this is getting mad political, but anyway, it's the very end of the podcast or whatever. I actually think about echo if chambers. If you're here, well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually think about echo chambers. If anything, we're in less of an echo chamber than we've ever been in terms of media coverage. We've all got access to so mm-hmm. much more media, so many more views, so many more things. It's just we end up reinforcing. Do you know what I mean? Like the echo, our echo the, chambers. The, we end up creating our own echo chambers by following the people that validate our views and following the people that agree with us because, you know, then our timeline is filled with the same stuff. Yeah, and I, and I think this is the thing. It's like that ends up being, it's not necessarily that we're like, you know, you 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 know, if you think about 100 years ago, 
you'd live in a town, you'd hear bits of news on the high street, you'd hear, you know, your, what your family members think, and that's about it. Now you can learn what some kid in Japan thinks about your shoes within about 10 seconds. Do you know what I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily that we're getting, we're getting smaller in our viewpoints. I think we're actually getting bigger. I just think we're hearing more of one, one side of things. And what I'd, what yeah. I'd say is I, I personally am going to try and resolve to listen to the side of it. Like people like Lee Gunner, like I need to listen to what he's saying because maybe maybe there's some sense i doubt it but maybe there's some sense there i don't know and, again, and ultimately we're all a, a, we're all just trying to f- be right twice a day yeah. you know you can have you can have two plus two and go the wrong way about it and there's still car out before yeah do you know what i mean like just because say for example lee gunner is right and arteta was never the and you know i disagreed with him when we first had arteta i thought arteta was the second coming of christ um but let's say he is right. He might be right, but for the wrong reasons and for the wrong kind of yeah. solution and yeah. for the wrong way getting there. Do you know yeah, what I mean? And, like yeah. anyone that says Mikel isn't right because he was Pep's ball, uh, cone man, it's just stupid. Mikel just might not be right for the ethos and for the level of this club. What you have to remember is this sport is elite level shit. He just might not be cut out to be a Premier League winning or a Champions League level or a Europa League level manager. Still might be good enough for somebody like Crystal Palace mm. or um, somebody in that kind of bottom half of the league. And that's amazing. Yeah, that's like, elite imagine level. Imagine being good enough. Yeah. Like that's that's elite level yeah, shit. Yeah. And the margins are so, so thin. Like, yeah. The margins are so, so thin. thin. Yeah, look, we, we we all see the issues. We all know what the problems are. We all see the score in the top left hand part of our screen, or see it on the you know we watch the goals going at the stadium. We all know what the problems are, and we all just we're all mm. trying to fix it and 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 coming at it from different angles. Brad, we've just got time for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. How much did we sell <laughs> Serge Gnabry to Werder Bremen for? Four point five million pounds. That is exactly right. That is exactly right. I play, I play way too much football manager, and I always buy him back because he's very, very good. Depressingly correct. Uh, the next, <laughs> there was also talk on a, a, another fun fact on that. Wenger's also come out and said before that he thinks that uh, Bayern were talking to him before he went to Wolfsburg. By um, honestly, it was Bayern Wenger got a monopoly on Germany. Yeah, surely it's not even that they've got a monopoly on Germany. Apparently, there were some very dodgy dealings that he went to Wolfsburg already knowing that he would go to Bayern either a year or two later, oh, really? and that's why we had no choice. And he was refusing to sign the contract. We were kind of backed into a, a corner. Interesting, interesting. This, I mean, mm. there's, I'd, there's got to be some kind of book out there on just like trans. I'm, I'm sure there is, as in, in terms of like transfer stories that are unheard, and also things that will come out in our lifetime about things that are happening now. <sighs> You know, what? Oh, it's like the stuff about Alex Ferguson yeah, and match yeah, 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 yeah. fixing that's coming out. Allegedly, but yeah, no, it's all it's all alleged. It's all alleged, but you know, but interesting, all, all the same. Um, uh, well, yeah. Next question. Uh, very simple. What year was Arsenal founded? In what year was Arsenal founded? Brad, it's good to be back. The pleasure was absolutely mine. It you are a viciously intelligent human being and I love every second of it. Oh, guys. Oh, let's You're do too it. kind. Oh. You're far too kind. Brad, that was very loud. Uh, pleasure as always. And thank you so much for, as always, my for listening. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. If you it. got this far, well done. Fuck yeah, if me. you got through our fucking bollocks there at the end about politics or whatever. Uh, thanks as always for listening. Keep 
keep it different knock. And we will see you when we beat a Norwich 15 0. It's going to happen. Bye bye. Oh, wait, quick score prediction, Alex. Oh, quick fuck. score prediction. Uh, I'm going 3 1. 2 2. See ya. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.